Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix is a film about a Nazi running Hogwarts and a thing about a sphere that we know nothing about, and it's a movie, and I, I trailed off there. That was great. <laughs> it started off good, and then I, I, I thought I, I, I would ad-lib some of it, and then it just stopped. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I loved that. I did say the name, didn't I? Yes, Order yeah. of the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing. Is what we are talking about today. A.K.A. The one where they sorted out their hair. To be fair, their hair does look really good here. It's the what? Yeah, it's finally. It only took David Yates to come along to go right. Okay, Jesus Christ, guys. Well, I think make the, sort your hair out. Weirdly, I think the two best Harry Potter films for their hair are this one and Goblet of Fire. I feel like they're both <laughs> well, they're the polar opposites. Yeah, I feel like they're both hitting the best ends of the spectrum. Where it's like, right, the if we're gonna is... have mad hair, we're really gonna go for it. <laughs> and then if we're not gonna have mad hair, we're gonna we're gonna really standardize hair. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. like technically, as far as like but adaptation goes, technically Harry's hair shouldn't be like really short and neat. It should be kind of like it is in Goblet. Yeah, or as but, a man. But like, I guess maybe you could say because this film is about him being a bit angsty and kind of moody. Yeah, man. And he's like being very uptight, so he therefore has a very clean haircut. <laughs> yeah. Mm, who's to say? <laughs> Probably not me because I've just realised that's a really shite argument. So I I'll don't stop know. That. I, I feel like when you work in that um, part of the industry, you probably have to back up everything you do with weird stuff like that. You can't just like go yeah. to work and be like, "Oh, what did you do?" Like you know, your son says, "Oh, mum or dad, like what did you do at work today?" It's like, "Oh yeah, I just cut his hair because you know." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. Yeah. You know, what I was thinking what was really weird when I first watched this, and I thought about the fact that like David Yates has now become like the main Harry Potter person because he's done all the films even the Fantastic Beast ones. I looked into like his past and he barely did any films. Like, yeah, he was yeah. mostly a TV person. Harry Potter is like his which only is crazy. thing. <laughs> I don't get how but he got the job. <laughs> I think it's so weird. But to be fair, we always talk about how Harry Potter is um, would suit a TV series really well. And I think, like, I, I, I could be stretching it, but I feel like Yates did actually make it feel more like a TV series at points. Well, he gave it the MCU vibe where it's like, uh, yeah, it, it feels more. It feels more like. Um, well, he settles it down into one thing. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously the cinematography. Also, even the, the cinematography. Why? Yeah, was, it's like very clean and muted. In this, know, in this one, looks. yeah. I was because uh, obviously. I both... still think that continues. I know it doesn't. Um, they change like you know colors a lot, but it's yeah, still the compared in the next to the film is mental. Yeah, but yeah. compared to. But it's still quite desaturated compared yeah, to. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously compared to like the first two films where everything is bright and mental. Three was a little bit like muted, to be fair, a bit more like five, yeah. and then four went again for bigger kind of, you know, grandiose stuff. Yeah, I don't think I think since Goblet of Fire, none of the films get quite as bright as that. Yeah, that's in the terms point. Of their, like, that's the point. Apparently. Yeah, I mean, ab- oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like, there's a yeah, storm coming, Harry. Yeah, fucking hell. That's <laughs> such a weird scene that they say that. It's classic. Also, I, what does I he say him. after that? Um, what, and we he, be- he says we we'll best all be ready when she does. Yeah, he didn't say what she what it was going to do. The storm is the is the is she. She is the storm, and we need to be ready when the storm comes. When she comes, is that it? Yeah, <laughs> she'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think yeah. So so Yates's vision, I'd say, is pretty self evident by just like the first scene. Where it is quite weird opening the film by watching, uh, like what looks like it again. It looks like a TV show. It looks like a scene from like EastEnders, but shot really nicely. Oh, it's so like, well out in the fields and it's stuff. It's so well shot because you know, yeah. like um, 
this has got one of the best as well. Like you, you know, all the films have got the bit where they have to go through like the Harry Potter logo, and obviously Goblet. Yeah, of Fire, yeah, yeah. I still think Goblet of Fire is the best. Uh, where they go through the. the yeah, the it's pretty solid. Now. Yeah, but then but this one's really cool. It's really subtle. So, um, where you have like the sun looking like the prophecy, just at the end of all the oh, darkness, of course, which obviously yeah. represents that. Um, it represents that. That's like the prophecy, as in Harry, is that one tiny bit of hope now. Yeah, yeah, it's and, then, like, and, and, oh, then, cool. and then it turns into the sun, and then you have the great bird's eye shot, and there's a few really good bird's eye shots in this, like the one, um, the really weird one uh, in the hearing at the ministry. Yeah, of well. course, yeah. But yeah, he, I think it's it's good because it's a f- sort of foreboding sense of sort of overhanging sort of dread, like they're being watched, because obviously the Dementors are in that's in the first scene at least, like coming over. So it's like the, you know, yeah, yeah, being yeah. watched. Oh, it's a good. It's shot. very much like the it's like the Reapers in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like it's a. Sort of, yeah, yeah, but without the red... Um... Yeah, without the awful camera effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, it's an interesting start. Again, because, again, Dudley hadn't really... Dudley hadn't been a proper antagonist since the first film. Yeah, not really. Because he was like... He didn't really do much in two. He was just sort of being a prick. And then in three, he was just like sat at the table eating. And he's not in four. You don't see him in four. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so weird how he suddenly like... They, big, they suddenly go, big him up, big day. <laughs> big it's, it's so it's weird because you do like think no of him as a proper until they're older <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah it's kind of weird but um yeah because you do think of him as a proper like Potter villain even though he's only like a villain in like three or four scenes throughout the whole fucking series I think a lot of that's to do with the book isn't it really well, maybe but I feel like this I feel like this film did like a that just that one scene did a huge amount for that well he's horrible Where's yeah, your well, mum, Potter? Is she dead? Yeah. To be fair, I mean, part of the reason that kind of is worse to me now is because that doesn't seem that dissimilar to what a lot of people were like at school, but you don't really notice it yeah. when you're there. He, he just Kids re- are awful. He represents like a very, a just very standard role doll bully. Absolutely. There's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that throughout this film of people becoming very archetypal of people of that age, but we'll get around to that later. Mm. Oh, you're not know so weird when. Um, this is kind of this isn't skipping ahead. You know when after the Dementors have come along and they go back to the house and it's like really hot. Yeah. The on the TV, the weatherman is uh, Archie the Inventor from Valamori. Really? It's Miles Jupp. Yeah, I'd never noticed that before. It's him. It's That's brilliant. Great. It's such a cool cameo. <laughs> Sorry, I had to mention that. Valamori gets everywhere, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. It's like a fucking yeah. It's yeah. a vine in our society. It's an institution. Kind of is, even though no one ever talks about it. Yeah, it only comes. But up everyone has se- everyone in Britain has seen it if they were born after yeah born after nineteen ninety five. Yeah, what's Super the story weird. in Harry Potter? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's it's. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see was... a Balamori song where, like, you know how they go through all the different people in the village. They go through all the different teachers Harry's had. All the members uh, of the order. That'd be a really yeah. great YouTube video. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that was kind of it. I was going to talk about the Dementor scene, but it's not an awful lot to bring up, really. Like, it's a really it cool scene. It has some really. Uh, it has a David Yates thing that a lot of people don't like, which is the. Oh, what's that? Well, he has. He, I think he's a great director, and I think he does a great job with the part of films, but he always has like a few shots here and there where you're like, I don't know why you did that. Oh, the close-ups really... on their faces. I wasn't even going to say, I was going to say when it goes oh. upside down all of a sudden. 
When's that? Well, so there's a shot where the Dementor, and it's always made me feel sick, where the Dementor, um, he uses Inspector Patronum and it flies out of the um Oh, and it pans alleyway. down to the to the road, or pans... It's the bit, is that the bit you mean? It's the shot before that where it's um the floor is at the top of the screen and the sky's at the bottom. It literally just goes oh, up. Oh, so... I like that. Oh, it's just makes sick. Oh, really? Well, that's kind of the point, because it's disorientating. Maybe, I guess. Uh, it's just weird. Like, it's a bit the Dementors like... are really cool in it. It's a nice little thing. Although I don't think they look... They're not... I don't think they're as scary as they are in the third one. Weirdly. Yeah, well, the Something third... about they, they lose the cloak sort of hood thing. They're still cool. I mean, yeah. I mean the third one is... Yeah, the, the, the cloak... That's a really good chart. I haven't thought about that, because it allows them to be a lot more shadowy visually and stuff. They, yeah, they kind you of can't make really them, see their face. They make them more skeletal, which is obviously also something that's in the book. It does say they're quite skeletal. Although, actually, to be fair, I've just thought the whole point of it is, because they say in the book that they're, they like breed up in the clouds or whatever, which yeah, is why yeah. it goes all dark and stuff. So they must, they're like newborns, presumably. Maybe. You could explain yeah. it away like that. That would explain why they're all a bit manic and crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Weird. Mm. So, I want to take an interlude to point out that this film oh actually no another thing is that's weird about this one this is you've mentioned this in the previous podcast this is the only harry potter film that's written by not steve cloves yeah michael goldberg which is weird why did steve why did why did cloves not do this one he was tied up no he was tied he wanted to do uh the other ones and he said that he wanted to um I think the idea is that he wanted to still be good at it, so he he needed to take a break. I think he's still script editor on this. I think he's still read over the scripts and stuff. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's not. Makes sense because it doesn't fit. Because it's surprising because you know you know when they change directors, there's always a big feel to it. But when if you hadn't told me, I don't think I'd have noticed that was that particularly big difference in the script compared to usual. Because every film seems to change that style anyway. Yeah. So it seems it seems really bizarre. Who is it who does it for this one? Michael Gold- Goldberg. Goldberg, that's it. Yeah, but he does it really well. And to be fair, oh God, sorry. I'm going to have to apologise for halfway every five minutes of this podcast. There's going to be a motorcycle going past. <laughs> oh, did you get a mo- did you get a motorcycle? Someone just said came in and said good morning to me. So oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's lucky. Ooh, that's weird. No, yeah. I don't want to think about it. Okay. Bloody glitch in the matrix first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see that now. The thing I was going to mention is uh, this is the uh, the first Harry Potter film to be uh, scored by Nicholas Hooper. Yeah. Who, and I'm not going to get a chance to talk about this later because it won't come up, but he is my personal favourite uh, composer for Harry Potter films. He does this one and um, the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, well, Half-Blood Prince has probably got the best score in Harry Potter. So. I, I, think, I think I agree. We'll come yeah. around to it the next time, obviously. But... He's such, yeah. He's just, he's absolutely amazing. like all to to you know, <laughs> uh, precursor this. All the Harry Potter composers are amazing. Like they're all, like they all do a spectacular job. Yeah, for I mean, me, it the... probably it would probably go Nicholas for favorite. It would go Nicholas Hooper, uh, John Williams, probably Alex Duplass, and then Patrick Doyle. But Patrick Doyle's score is still like amazing, as we talked about last. Oh, week. Oh yeah, it's got some of the best like, bits it's... of Potter music. Like, but all think that all the films do. Like they've all do an amazing job. But I think what Nicholas Hooper does really well is weirdly it makes it much more um, uh, fantasy like. Again, like Williams did in the third one, but it's a lot more sort of it's a lot more delicate than some of the other ones. Yeah, because like, the first two are very grand and big, as is the fourth one, and that seemed to be like the sort of prevailing thing. And then this in in five, it like really dials it back. He introduces a, a bit of melancholy as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, but, it's, but it's like even 
like the biggest action scene in the, in the film doesn't have a score to it. And, you know, it's, there's not that many moments of very big energy going on, really. No, I mean, I score. guess the most noticeable music is like the Umbridge music, like you say. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. But it's, I mean, yeah, if you listen, if you listen through it, it's all, you know, amazing. It's so great. I just wanted to mention him because he's just superb. I actually don't know what Nicholas Hooper does in other things, but... Yeah, I love it. Again, it's weird that they that they change the composers so sort of randomly. Like it doesn't really might be that the composers are other composers are working on other stuff. Yeah, I guess so. It's but I feel like, like Patrick Doyle is out of all the ones that do it, obviously John Williams is the biggest one and then he leaves. But it surprises me that Patrick Doyle, for instance, only did one. That seems really strange. Yeah. Cause he's like a he's a massive like, you know, What's the word? Music writer? Well, so composer. composer. That's the word. But so is um, so is Desplat. Desplat, please. Yeah, Desplat. Desplat. <laughs> um, true. Although I'd, I'd never heard of him too fair before I looked it up ages ago. Yeah, he, yeah he, he just does so in my stuff, spare time, though, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> but, so, oh, but yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout out. Yeah, Nicholas Hooper surprisingly uh, doesn't do that. He does lots of famous TV shows. Oh, okay, so maybe maybe Yates was involved in hiring him. To be fair, because again, Mabes. they've got that kind of Mabes, yeah, boy. Yeah, he he really uh, hasn't done that many movies. Yeah, it's it's interesting, How but he, he definitely write something this yeah. good. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's, I do agree. I, yeah, he, he is he is oh, an no. absolute like king, and I can't believe that after Harry Potter, he hasn't done that much huge stuff. It's like, well, yeah, surely that's because he wouldn't need to necessarily. That's quite a CV, isn't it? <laughs> You know. Well, yeah, I mean, just just all of the Phoenix. Oh yeah, well, well you know, like Prince, the best enough. film soundtracks ever. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I was part of one of those. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, hey, I've got a um, uh, a directorial complaint for one scene. It's a nitpick, technically. Um, yeah, I, so I, almost every complaint I have about this film will be a nitpick. There's just a lot I mean, of I find this with most of the Harry Potter films. Yeah, yeah. But um, so it and it really bothers me every time, and it probably shouldn't. So when they first arrive at Grimmauld Place, and oh, yeah. um, and like the the house arrives, which looks awesome, obviously. Um, like CG is a big, well, in the most part, I think the CG is a big step up in this one. Um, for like normal, maybe see, the Thestrals look a bit dodgy at times, but other than that, um, the flying looks really dodgy. What on the Thestrals? You mean? No, when they uh, go, when they fly to Grimmauld Place, it looks, oh, really? it looks, it looks rubbish. That oh, whole, I disagree. That whole scene is rubbish. Oh, I love that bit. Oh, I find yeah, it. I, enough. You know, I find it really cringy. Um, oh, I like especially it. Especially the the bit where it's like, oh no, we might hit a boat. I just yeah, it's classic. I, I know that he had to fly to Grimmauld Place and they had to show it, but I don't know. I, I I felt quite cynical about that scene. I felt like oh, they just, they've got to every every time they uh, they've got to have it every flying. time. No, every time Harry leaves the Dursleys, it has to be in like an awe-inspiring fashion. Every time. Whether it's um, fucking whatever happens with Hagrid on the island, or going away in a flying car, or getting taken by the night bus, or in this case, flying off like that, you know. And they do the same thing in um, film seven, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It's the same kind of thing. They've just, they've, they've got to do it. And it's nice, because again, because this film is so angsty, it's nice to start it off with a sort of a, uh, a vague glimmer of hope, as you say. Yeah. Anyway, my 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 directorial complaint is um, 
he uh, Madame Moody says, "In you go, son!" Like to let him go first. And as soon as Harry goes in the house, they all barge straight past him. So, so what was the point of making him go in first if you're still go straight past him? That's really, it's really strange. That's really stupid. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, Harry, you go first. Figure out my fucking way. It's really strange. Anyway, it's like is that that's the level of nitpick I'm talking about. But it really annoys me. <laughs> anyway, back on top of positive. Radcliffe's performance excels. Oh, yeah, I think this could be. Could his, be. Uh, ooh, no, actually, I don't think this. Or do I? Well, so far, yeah, this yeah. is his best performance. He's he's actually world class in this movie. Like in, in yeah, this movie, it's really you, impressive. Could, you wouldn't even call him a child actor at this point. Like he actually just comes across as a, you know, well, he's like, sixteen by that point. So I guess he is sort of in the realms of like people are probably expecting him to be good now. Yeah, well, he, like there's he, proper pressure on him. I don't know. He deserves big bucks for this movie. Like he's actually amazing. Oh, we got it. <laughs> like he, but he is like his performance in this film is like an unmissable classic performance. Like I genuinely think yeah. he, he does not drop the ball at all. I think it's also especially it's especially evident because in compared, not that the others are bad, but in some of the other films where his performance is also amazing, the like the others like Emma and Rupert are also amazing. But in this one, I think like relatively speaking, uh, Radcliffe is so much better than all of them. Well, I don't think obviously the film true. is. Do you not think? No, it's not. He's better because they're not bad at all. No one. It's no, I didn't a... mean that. Oh, it's... But I think it's. But what I mean is, so say like when we get to the seventh one, like um, Radcliffe's performance is amazing, but like I think that's sort of almost superseded by Rupert's, for example, okay. and Emma's, where because that's that film is based on them three more. Whereas weirdly, this film is actually not that focused on the trio. Yeah, a yeah, lot of the time the trio are not say. on their own together. No, it's, it's um, not that often. Th- there's some trio moments, but overall, yeah, it's very much. Um... This film really rides on Daniel Radcliffe's shoulders, like it's it's the Harry Potter film that rides on him the most since Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, like, I agree. In, in terms of like the focus on just Harry, just Harry. But he has to contend with a lot of yeah, he has to contend with a lot more because obviously Philosopher's Stone was mostly him just sort of gawping at things, and that was sort of enough. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I agree. But the whole film is sort of based around like finding family and stuff, which is why they make him alone a lot of the time. Just nice, which is also why having the Thestrals and introducing Luna is really good for this film. Yeah, should we talk about Luna? Yeah, it's a she's. I mean, well, as a character, yeah, obviously excellent for um, showing Harry about you know being alone and losing parents mm. and facing death and stuff. But also, her performance is insane. Like it's stupid. It's so good. She, like it's not even funny. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> got it slots right in here. You know, like, um, it's mad, yeah. it's weird whenever she's in it, I'm like, oh yeah, she wasn't in the earlier films. It weirds me out yeah. that she's, yeah, like, really w- weird. once you get to the ones with Luna, it becomes weird that she wasn't in it before. You know, that's, I completely agree, and that doesn't really happen with any other characters until this point that weren't no. in the first one. I mean, it's not a problem, it's just like... No, no, it's, no, it's the opposite of a problem, just, it's brilliant. Just, yeah, it just shows... Well, they yeah. so rarely meet with other houses. Like, is she the first proper Ravenclaw they talk to? Apart from, apart from one of the Patil twins, and Cho Chang. Oh fuck off! Yeah, all right, fine. But like, I mean, to be fair, how many Hufflepuffs do they meet apart from Cedric Diggory? Um, well, obviously they meet them, but do you mean that they make a big deal out of? Well, yeah, they actually like talk. Um, like, I, I think I think well, Justin, it's lavender. It's lavender Hufflepuff. No, she's Gryffindor. Justin Finch Fletchley. Uh, uh, he he's <laughs> Hufflepuff. Yeah, but he doesn't. He, all he says is, "What the hell are you playing at?" Yeah, it's classic. <laughs> I mean, sort of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Do you? Have, have we have we talked about the um, the way she was the way she was cast? No, go on. That story. 
Yeah, no, it's insane. I mean, not yeah. So um, I, I know. Do- I mean, you've talked to me about it. Oh, you I do. Probably, oh, I yeah. Met on the podcast, so they, but I think you should share. Oh, it with probably our, not. Our avid they, readers. Um, readers. Of, no one's of, reading this. Jesus re- Christ. Readers of. I hope they're not. Readers of the listening. Readers. Yeah. They um. Shut up. They. <laughs> they put in like a public uh, casting thing and there's like thousands of people like queued up around like streets in London to do auditioning for it and girl who plays Luna whose name I've forgotten because I'm an idiot Ivana Lynch Ivana Lynch there you go um, didn't manage to turn up or like she didn't reach the front of the queue or she didn't turn up in the first place and then she like sent them like a video message like interview, like, interview thing or audition whatever you call it um, just saying, oh, you know, you can pick whoever you like, but, you know, I know that I am actually Luna, so you're going to hire me anyway. And then they did. And it's just mental. So, you know, kids, don't try. Don't turn up. Just tell people what to do and life will go well to you. I think it's that's bit, the lesson. Yeah, it's right? just a bit be assertive, yeah? Yeah, I guess. But that's like, I mean, the audacity of that is hilarious. But that's yeah. probably why it's funny, because Luna has no social awareness at all. Exactly. Or she doesn't care about her perception of other people. She's yeah. great. Also makes it a really nice character mm. for, you know, Harry to work off of. Because he's a typical popular kid who's always worried about what people think of him. Really? What a loser. I think there's a lot of it. Well, I, I think mean, Goblet he, of Fire, that's like th- one of the main things. He's he trying, thinks he's a like, lot about what people think of him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I mean. That's what took, like tears him up so much in Goblet of Fire. True, I guess he got attention and he in, hates it. In this film, it, it you know via Luna, in a way he kind of comes to terms with the fact that it doesn't really matter what anyone thinks of him. Yeah, exactly. No, that's why she's such a uh, great character to have. I think and it's a great message um, for kids, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it is. <laughs> no, but it is though. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. The uh, also again, I was gonna say stuff at the Order of the Phoenix. I find it so weird when I watch this how little Gary Oldman is in this film for how much I thought he was in it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, like so he it, shines amazingly in all this, the scenes, but yeah, it's amazing yeah. how little he's this in it. This is something I've always thought about, which is um, I always feel like Sirius is barely in the films. I mean, to be fair, he doesn't play that big a role in like Goblet in the book, to be fair, and I think it would have been weird jamming in other than his yeah, fireplace. It's not place. it's not a complaint. It's um, just I think it's just the result it's of, weird. of making a book into a film is that this happens. Well especially all of the Phoenix, which I mean, like most of the stuff they cut was admittedly fairly boring stuff, but it did also involve a lot of conversations with Sirius. I mean so that's probably what how it happened. You say boring, I say well building and interesting, you know. If in terms of a film it would not you, there are very few ways of transferring oh, yeah. most of that book into a film. It's very it's really weird, like all the T V show, definitely. Oh yeah, all the things not, like, not film. It's a great um I mean it's it's probably might be my favourite book. Interesting. So. Okay. I, mean, I mean, it's the it's one a, that I. It's probably in the middle with. for me in terms of the book. Like it is. I mean, it's all. It is great, obviously. But it's just, it's just so rich. Yeah, I think you you have to, you definitely have to take it slow though. Yeah, yeah. Which is sort of why I think a lot of people, like they did with Goblet, sort of found a lot of sort of irritations with it. Weirdly, I didn't find I don't find the um the translation from book to film quite as drastic in this one as it is in Goblet. Weirdly, even though the. Or the Phoenix is the longest book. Yeah, I mean but that's I'll, obviously because it's more yeah, like I say world building the, stuff. Thematically, thematically, almost everything that they miss out is touched upon. That's apart, true. Apart I mean, from, it's mostly the feeling of being in Hogwarts while Umbridge is in control. Yeah, they still get it there. Yeah, that's what. No, I mean I'm, I'm agreeing with you. They get that feeling across really well. Yeah. But weirdly, so much of it is through 
montages. Yeah, is There's this like the three most three montages? Is this film? the most montagey pop film? We say that as well. well like, all there, all of there... the Legilimens bits are all uh, montages as well. Yes, Te- I mean this, the um, this, the final this... kind of mental showdown is montage. Right. Yeah, kind of. Well, the flight is, and then the, you've you've got like the first um, like forming of Dumbledore's army bit, and there's like, like all the all the bits where they're like hiding from Filch, and when Umbridge turns up and starts being a rule, they're all like the only other montage I can think of in a Harry Potter film is in the seventh one while they're like traveling across country. Oh yeah, I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of any other montages in Harry Potter films. Oh. There aren't even any in Goblet of Fire, are there? No, I don't think so. Not properly. No, well, there's not... sort of there sort of is while Harry's waiting for the people to fight their dragons. Oh yeah, I guess you could sort of call that. No, a montage. That, that is a it's montage. like a ten second montage. But is, it, like... is there a montage? It's not really. It's more like just an edited sequence, isn't it? Like... Yeah, exactly. But that film's so... very direct. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, um... but um, it's funny how because oh, we, we we were talking we're, pretty much every pretty much for all the last four episodes we've been talking about how. Um, the, the pacing is so fast and so quick. And this one is, but I, f- I actually feel like this is so far the most spaced out in terms of pacing. It's just funny because it's so full of stuff. Uh, yeah, but it's also... Like it's surprisingly the... leisurely in the way it goes through its stuff. Probably yeah, yeah. because it uses montages a lot. It's a very domestic film. Because it's about... Because mm. the main struggle in this film is a domestic struggle, isn't it, really? It's, it's about Harry's mental health, basically. Yeah. And how, and how Voldemort's manipulating it. Maybe that's why TV director is the best thing to do for that, because that's a very, you know, sort of TV-related sort of thing, like soap opera thing. Mind you, know, you actually, the, so is um, so would have Mike Newell, but yeah, you know, this this and uh, yeah, this and Half Blood Prince are both like the domestic Harry Potter films. Oh yeah, mind. definitely. Oh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I find it hard to disagree with that. It's why they're really nice because you get to spend just so much time just kind of chilling with the characters and. I think we are both set up to this point. That has been a rare thing to come by. Yeah, well, just chatting in the common room happens yeah. so much in this one. Yeah. And at the beginning, with a, we're talking to your favourite character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, obviously is this time for, for Seamus Corner? It's Seamus Corner. Yay. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Don't yeah. you dare talk about my mother. My mother like that. <laughs> it's classic. I'm so imagining that she's just like a massive racist. Like yeah. everyone, every, you know, you always have people at school who have she's, their mothers. But I don't know. Like, she's the worst. She's a Daily Mail reader, isn't she? Like, exactly. Racist. I think that... Well, Come on. You can't say that every Daily Mail reader is a racist. All right. Every racist is a Daily Mail reader. Maybe. Are you happy now? Yeah. Nah, well, come on. It's, that's more true. Um, nah, okay, that, okay. I tell her, like, racists can't read. They just look at pretty pictures. No, I hate foreigners. <laughs> oh, what we're talking about? They just watch Birth of a Nation. Um, <laughs> right, so... Uh, well, they throw darts at the TV while they're watching Benefit Street. You know when um, <laughs> you know you know when uh, Seamus apologizes to Harry. If you look at his, well, he does what when he apologizes to Harry and says, "Thing is, I believe you." That bit. Oh, that. Yeah, if you so look weird. at his hands, he's doing a Barty Crouch impression. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's doing like a Do weird thing with his hands. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's what they get taught at actors' school. Is yeah. that right? When you're nervous, I want you to fondle your hands. Your hands like, like, yeah, like you feel a bit icky. Like you need to wash your hands because you've been in the sea too long. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. a very specific. I mean, you know. um, yeah, Seamus is uh, used here as a in order to represent um, like a group of of thought, like a school of thought, basically. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> he's he's he is literally. It sounds awful because because he's Irish. That's the way they use it. But he's literally like the sort of um, 
uh, the outer world sort of punch bag saying this is what the popular he's like public opinion 101 essentially yeah mm. Well, they, they, fair, they, like they use the most normal him. blokey person. Yeah, in yeah. Terms of like... he's so normal. They use him through every film to just represent normal guy who would go to this school. Yeah, but abs- really, yeah, like, absolutely. really well, because like you know he's lovable. You know, mm. um, yeah, yeah. And it's really nice by by the time he's finally doing that Patronus and he's happy and he's like, no, I'm not tucking my shirt in. Yeah, he looks but awful such... in his uniform. That... <laughs> <laughs> he always looks so Nailed bad. Him. Yeah, I was trying to think. I think. Yeah, because obviously we, we talked about how um, the third film, so they all start wearing their school uniforms weird. That does continue, doesn't it? Throughout yeah. Most of them. Yeah, for all of them. Yeah. That makes sense. It's, I, it's not something you, I noticed it in Goblet of Fire. I didn't notice it as much in this one because, again, because probably cause it looks, as a film, it looks a lot cleaner in its yeah. you know style. So I suppose it's harder to notice that sort of thing. Oh, we didn't talk about the Ministry of Magic. Oh. Which I, which is amazing. So yeah, partly because Mr. Weasley. Yeah, yeah the uh, the bit where he goes on the underground. Yeah, always makes me think so of when good. when you try to use your um. Oh, my student you, ID. Your student ID. I think ID. it was my student ID. Yeah, you tried to use... really pissed off <laughs> because I'd spent two weeks just going in and out of the library with my student ID, and I was like, "Why doesn't this work on this?" It always reminds I was, me. I actually literally held held it up to the person at the barrier as if to say, "The fuck," and they. <laughs> oh. I'm yeah, I'm such an embarrassment. It's it so at, awful. It was at Westminster as well. I think that's why it makes me think of it because it's like you know, it's like I don't know. Oh, it's another stupid protester. What a you know, another student here to try and do a Guy Fawkes. Yeah, Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, um, no. The um, what I'd never sort of clocked onto as much was how much um of sort of Big Brother kind of vibe they emit from the because I know they do that a lot in um. The, the, seventh uh, the seventh film, but they do actually hint at it quite a lot, especially with the massive poster of Fudge oh, looking fudge, at everyone, yeah, yeah. which feels very. Um, well, it's the use of the media, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and this this film's got so much about the media. So uh, you know, the Daily Prophet, the Daily Prophet in this film is really important. Like they carry on mm. using the Daily Prophet like this forever now. It's a Fantastic Beasts staple. Yeah, there's like there's like four scene transitions, which is just through newspapers in this film. Oh, it's amazing though. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Like, it's really well done. Yeah, it's, it's re- kind yeah, of weird. They're like a, they're really cool, like animated things. And um, mm. you know, they're kind of like going through into the um, using those transitions by like changing. You're looking at the newspaper, and then you're in the place. It's very, yeah, yeah. it's oh, very right, much nice. like taking on the kind of Quaron thing. And by the way, yeah, this yeah, fi- yeah moving yeah, through, yeah, at uh, fifty-three minutes in this film, we have two Ooh. window edits. See, last hey, time... Gone, oh, you did notice I, them. I looked for you it. You forgot to it, look at them. Because <laughs> I, I forgot to tell you what time they were in conflict, but they weren't Yeah. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, there, there's two edits. It, um, it's when um, she, Hermione and Harry and Ron are in the common room and they just talk to Sirius. And they're looking, oh, when they look out the raining. window all dramatically. And it's one of the best edits anyway, because then they go through the window and then the rain turns into snow and then they yeah, go the, uh, thing, in, in yeah. Hogsmeade then it goes back inside the pub or whatever yeah. through the... It's oh, amazing. It's, nice. it's fantastic. Yeah, um, oh, you um, get, we get a little clip, glimpse of uh, Aberforth chasing yeah, yeah. after his goats. Yeah, with the goats, which is a the really disgusting cool thing. Disgusting bugger. Which also, like, um, <laughs> so this film, um, they they have to, because they have to condense bigger plot threads, they have mm. to, they start putting in little things to kind of, like, um, as a little thumbs up to, to the book readers to be like, yeah, no, 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 it is here. So, like, <laughs> so like you know, um, like, Percy Weasley, for example? Oh God! Because yeah. obviously his falling out the Weasley, which by the way is one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, oh, it's it's great. It's really to be fair, anti having because I actually and it's a sin, but I watched the films before I'd read the books. Um, 
I must admit, I really didn't get the impression that Percy had fallen out with the family until I read the books because it's because like I say it's hinted at by the fact that he's with Fudge. Yeah, and but well, it is... well, by the fact he's got Harry by the scruff of the neck as well, and Cho Chang yeah. he brings them into the. Uh... But he never like he never says anything. I feel like they could have. They could have done with like one, like maybe maybe there was a deleted like cutting through cutting room floor thing about it. Yeah, but it could have been it could have been good to notice. It's not it's not a biggie, but like, uh, it well, nice I, it's that it. it's that thing where they're doing enough for me. I could let go of it. I can be like, mm, what fine. was what was Percy doing in Goblet of Fire? Was he in it? Uh, he didn't. He wasn't at the World Cup, was he? No, no. But I mean, I I, I fully understand. He's working with the ministry, isn't he, at that point? And I, is I he? Yeah, yeah. And, and he keeps talking. Fred and George is taking the mick about it because he keeps talking about, um, about like oh, how great Fudge is, basically. Yeah. Oh, which, yeah. Of course. Which, obviously, at the time, you know, I guess in Goblet of Fire, you think it's harmless. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Fudge. Yeah. Nice guy. <laughs> to be fair, that's a really that's another really good thing about this film is that again the ministry and Fudge in particular had been. Um, Sort of depicted as being quite harmless, and like, like the scene in uh, Azkaban where he points out that he broke the law, and Fudge was like, "Oh no, it's fine." And you know, he was pretty, pretty sort of benign in um, Chamber of Secrets as well. He just sort of did what he was told. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that you see like Lucius leaning on his shoulder more evidently in this one, and the fact that he's being like, uh, as Lupin said, you know, twisted and warped by fear. That's yeah. a great scene. Oh, um, that all the dinner table scenes with Lupin. But it's just the best thing ever. <laughs> It's really nice how um, I get a lot of like Neville Chamberlain sort of vibes from um, from Fudge. Yeah, about sort of denying the fact that um, Voldemort is building up his forces and rearming like yeah. Mr. Hitler. Um, of and course, it's, only uh, when it's too late that he accepts it and moves on to Scrimger, who's like Churchill because he's a bit bombastic and ridiculous but gets the job done. It's really weird how I can't help, I can't unthink it. Uh, well, of course, but, the Neville Chamberlain there in real life. We must just quickly acknowledge that there are oh, many yeah. that, that there are many theories that actually he knew that we had to rearm and he was saving time and rearming. Just yes. saying, no, just, I, don't, just, I just, genuinely... just want to give the guy a shout out. Hey, no, I I completely agree. But it's and to be fair, when, whenever you watch um, films that have Neville Chamberlain in it, they're almost always being a massive dickhead to him, which yeah. is unfair. Which when you because he had it, he was between a, a rock and a Hitler place. Like it's like there's nothing you can do about it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're not saying that Chamberlain was awful or that Jay Church was brilliant. They're both just people. Yeah, um, but yeah. Fudge is we're a dickhead. Fudge makes a really good villain, as does uh, Umbridge. I think Umbridge is the, ooh, I think maybe the best villain in the Harry Potter series, sort of. Yeah, I think she's about third, but I mean, they're still highly ranked. Do you put Lucius above her? Yeah, Lucius is Lucius and Draco. I... Really? Yeah, yeah. On these okay. rewatches, I, I've got actually a lot more respect for. For Draco, I, I think, think Draco doesn't. I don't think Draco really comes into that role until the sixth, the sixth one. To be honest with you, um, like he still he is there a lot. Like obviously in Goblet of Fire, he's just there to um, be a bit antagonising, and then in this one, I mean, he's barely in uh, Order of Phoenix. This is he's, he's he's got an excellent scene at the beginning where he um, like on the tr- on the platform where he pisses off Harry yeah. and Harry like lurches at him, which I used to think was weird, but I literally just remembered when I last watched it. That he'd um, like not that long ago just seen his dad like with Voldemort trying to kill him. Yeah, yeah. So it's like so yeah, he, he knows that he knows that Malfoy knows and that he's, yeah exactly um, he's playing Malfoy. Like Malfoy yeah. playing Harry. So yeah, yeah exactly. So I that was I liked uh, that was nice as a uh, as a thing. Yeah, I think the reason I find Umbridge to be the best villain um, is because she's the most realistic. Because... I'm not sure realistic is the right word. I think she's very realistic. I think it's because she's... Child abusing... 
I think she feels. I think it's, she feels more. Yeah, she does. Okay, fine. Yeah, you're right. She does. She feels more like a real person because she's seemingly harmless and sort of sickly sweet, but actually she's a horrible. But I think yeah. So like all of her like her feelings on half breeds and um, like Muggleborns and stuff like that. She those those things are like actually um, sort of overtly sort of divulged in the films. Whereas with Voldemort, it's very much a sort of we take it as a given that he hates people. It's only really like the beginning of the seventh film that we see that really manifest itself. Whereas Ambridge, throughout the whole of this film, we get evidence of what she's actually like. Yeah. And I think that there's a much better, it's much easier to hate her as a person. Well, when she's throwing out um, Trelawney. Oh, oh Christ, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Dumbledore turns up, yeah. Yeah, and you know in the books that McGonagall hates... Um, divination but it's her who stands up for Trelawney it's always a nice oh of nice course moment. yeah 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 hey you know what's weird so when when Dumbledore turns up and he's I've, the, that in that scene in uh in the courtyard I honestly he he felt so much like Richard Harris in that scene now and I what I think is weird is we were talking about this like last time the way that Gambon plays Dumbledore is like it can be a bit shaky at times because I think in the in the third one he was quite similar to to Harris's performance, he was oh, a little bit more kind of similar. delicate, but then four, he got a lot more sort of. He was more like, Oh, yeah, I'm a big, powerful wizard, angry man, which kind of suited the film because that's what it was doing, but it did feel kind of odd. And I think five and six do actually start to bring him back down to the sort of more. I actually think calm they, mix, and pensive. they mix the two together. He never they goes, do, no, I he agree. never, he never by... goes back to either. He's just always, no, he's always true. somewhere in between now. So they can't... But I think it's it's good that they do use all the things to move him from what he was like in Goblet to what he what I imagine he sort of turned into more in the in six and eight. Yeah. yeah. If we're talking about the films, which I liked because you know it's only really at the end that he does this when he's doing all this big wizard shit that he he you know comes out with all the energy, which Before is that, he's one of very the calm. best things ever. Oh, it's it's like the yeah, I mean it's the best action scene. Not that Harry Potter is an action film series, but. Mind you, there's like a, there's a fair few action scenes at the, at the end of this film. Yeah, well, like the, the whole, one where Sirius turns up is excellent. The whole That's, last really half hour of this film well. is one of the best Harry Potter last half hours. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, and I mean, to be fair, the first time I watched it, cynically, I did think um, that I, you know, oh, this took ages to get here, and finally it's getting good. But obviously, you know, in retrospect, the rest of the film was doing an excellent job of building towards it. Yeah, I, but, I think um, I think this is the main bulk of unmissable stuff, though, in terms of like film, rather than just Harry Potter stuff. I think the film's pretty solid, but yeah, the last the last half hour is, is the real like you know must see. It's really great. Yeah. It's so well made. Basically, as um, soon as as soon as a uh, Helena Bonham Carter turns up. Oh yeah, Lucius, Lucius quality. Oh, and yeah, of course, but obviously, I mean, Lucius we've seen in action before. But do you think that they again um, Helena Bonham Carter uh, the Bellatrix? Is again sort of a bit not quite as much as Luna, but again feels like one of those ones that by the end you're like, it seems weird that she only turned up at number five. Yeah, it was thing is she though, feels yeah. super like a staple after this point. Uh, see, I, I don't agree with that one actually because oh, um, really? it wouldn't make well, just it just doesn't make any sense. She's in so it. much of um, seven and eight and a fair bit of six as well. That's probably why I feel like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's and sudden. She she goes from like not being there to oh she's been mentioned. She's here and now she's here forever. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, really. She's... Yeah, well, she becomes the Harley Quinn. 
absolutely yeah of course not sure if that was what was intended in the books but it kind of it does work yeah cursed child spoiler okay so in that they make it so that well they make it so that she had a child with Voldemort (laughs) what yeah it's rubbish oh for fuck's sake who wrote it who wrote that I genuinely want to know who wrote it some idiot some idiot Mickey Smith that's (laughs) why yeah I I'm should I should I read it be honest yes it's like a three I've heard <laughs> what so it's like cats level. It can't be that bad. It's worse. No, it's just bad. Is as it cats. bad because it fucks with canon, or is it just bad on a bad level uh, in itself? Both. But what I mean is, I if, can if... imagine as a theatre production, you're so distracted by the source from the source material by how amazing it would look. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard really good things about the way they um they did the performance like oh, with the, like yeah, the stage yeah. and the way they move stuff around I'm sure not that's that amazing that's to do with that, but the that actual story the actual script is yeah. is just poor it's really okay. bad I'm probably like, not gonna I'm probably not gonna read it it's like well it's fan it feels like reading fan fiction and it is I mean just every time someone describes it about saying it to me I say wow this just sounds like an absolute slog to get well, through yeah, yeah yeah well it's been called non-canon now like um JK says it's not canon so well yeah well not that she's got to say anymore but, true, um, but um, it's so tricky I guess everyone just has to decide for themselves yeah but I remember because like the main thing for me that made me a bit annoyed about it was the fact that I loved how Azkaban uses one time turner and then in the books they make clear that, that that's not a thing anymore that they've destroyed them, they can't use them. And I liked that. And it t- sounds like they use the time turner a lot in Cursed Child. Yeah, yeah, what do they do? What do you think yeah. of um yeah. what do you think of the omission in the uh Department of Mysteries of all the different places? Like the the room full of brains and <sighs> Oh yeah, the one where Ron like gets all goes all weird and starts acting really stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't think I have a problem with it, because again it would have slowed the pace right down. And by that point, like I say, they've built so long up to that point that if they then cut the pace suddenly and started being more pensive before things... Again, this is why it works as a book, because in a film, you can't just shift straight between uh, tones like that so quickly unless you're writing a book between chapters. You can't yeah. go from, wow, we're going to the ministry and we're there, and now we're going to sit down for half an hour. And well, in in, in a book, rooms. everything can afford to be gradual. Absolutely, and again, this is why potentially a TV series could probably work. You know, yeah. I don't know why we keep saying. I don't know why I keep saying that. It's, it's true. It is they very sh- weird. They, sh- they shouldn't do it for like fifty years. That, that you know, they should wait a long time because yeah. there'd be no point. Well, otherwise. the movies are amazing. They they should wait a long time until yeah, you know, they they look old. But um, exactly. but yeah, no, I, it's weird. I, I would usually have been against this whole TV idea, but now recently I've been like, nah, I quite like to see that. I think it's just it's just it's something that as you know for fans I think it would be an opportunity to um to create something that you're no longer discussing like omissions from the book it's more about well, you can make um, it you could actually make it exactly the same and it would probably more or less yeah whereas everyone I mean a lot of people complain about the films and this is this happens with all like book adaptations in films and people always get the wrong idea about it because they think that they should, you know, faithfully recreate it when they didn't realise that it would make a bad film. Yeah, exactly. If like, they did, if Spew there's no way of getting around that. Awful. Yeah, exactly. Like, what does it have to do with anything? Sorry. She, we were, you were saying the other day about how um, people whinged about Stanley Kubrick's uh, The Shining because it wasn't enough like the book. But you know, there's every chance that if the book was recreated. You know, absolutely. Like another, there was another Shining film, wasn't there? Yeah, that um, Stephen the, King actually made. He yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's but uh, it didn't it did not get much traction. Apparently, not very good 
Exactly, and this is what I mean. Like it, the the film makers weirdly should should come first before yeah. well, you, you, you know, just have to come to terms with adapting. the fact that you know a book exists and a film exists yeah. and they're different things to so get over it you know and if if you love the book so much you shouldn't really need the film to recreate no. it so much no like because otherwise you're just asking to be to be bored because you won't get anything new from it yeah i think i think the only time as a book reader you can kind of get annoyed is when the film people watch the film without having read the book and the film is drastically different from the book and then they judge all the material based on just the film. Yeah. That's the only yeah, time exactly. I'm like, mm, it's a... fair, fair enough, because it's like the film's letting the side down, you know? Yeah, kind of. But, you know, these are missions, you know, they're, they're little things. It's not... Yeah, exactly. Oh, right, so... <laughs> I'm really annoyed. I've written this down. I don't know... I've written this down, and I don't know what scene it is. I'm going to have to go back and look. I'll put it in the notes of the description. But the guy who talks about the grin... You know the trying to catch smoke. Is he in this? He's 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 in the background of one of the scenes. Yes, he's in. No, he's in the scene where they um go oh, to Hogsmeade and they all sit together. Is it? Is he there? I'm that might not have sure. been when I wrote it down. I, I think don't it know. might have been I, in the courtyard. Okay, or so something. a really weird thing is, I really think I saw him here as well. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe we just not maybe he's in all of them. We just haven't noticed. I feel really bad. This they guy, should have given him lines. I, I feel like this guy's like trying to trying to catch smoke, you know. <laughs> the thing is, how can you? Because you, you can't give a guy like that two like really big lines like that, and then just kick him out. They should have just like, given it to another character. Such a weird decision, to be honest. It's like that's as weird as like you know getting rid of Colin and introducing a new character called yeah, Nigel. Yeah, Nigel, like... right. So, <laughs> Nigel, they give Nigel so much to do in this film. You used to have a problem with it, if I remember rightly. Oh, I'd be interested a, in how you feel. Oh, I don't care. It's a bit pointless when you could just have Colin Creevy, when he's literally the same yeah. character. It seems But he's so... not in it. He's he's not he, the actor, you know, who plays Colin. He's not. He's never there, not he's even it? in the background. Weirdly, they got the guy who talks about the Grimm. Weirdly, he's in the video game. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, uh, but not, and Nigel is never acknowledged by the games. They always keep Colin there. No. <laughs> I love that. It's uh, not, actually, wait, is Nigel in Goblet no, of Fire? He is, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He, he, he wants to get Harry's autograph. Yeah, yeah. It's just weird. I just, I don't, like, I I, I, about I it, don't feel negative or positive about it. I just think it's weird. I just think it's yeah. a really sh- strange decision. <laughs> it doesn't make, it's like, it's like what, what, what's their problem? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin Creevy, oh, he was a bit of a Jar Jar Binks, wasn't he? Let's just write him out. I think, I mean, he was made up to be a bit of a joke. I suppose maybe they didn't want to use him because you'd be mixing your tones. But yeah, Nigel's I mean, better. Oh, I don't know. It's kind no, of, no, Nigel's cool. It is weird. I, I do like Nigel. <laughs> like, yeah, but... Yeah, but I don't, I forget he's in it. And if we ever, like, played, like, a game of name all the Harry Potter characters, I would, he'd be the one I forget. <laughs> it just doesn't feel yeah. like I don't know. It, yeah, I, I it think feels it's... like the, it, that is a bit of a missed opportunity just to use a character you've already introduced and has a character. Yeah, and has been fairly important at times. At least, you know, he is in Chamber of Secrets at least. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, it would have been nice. It's just little super nod, weird. It? Just yeah, but, just, uh, you know, uh, we can move else. on from this now. It's, it's weird. I think we can. <laughs> That's all it is. Um, um, so I've got oh, some. Okay. Oh no, you go first. No, no, oh, no you go first. I, I had. They're quite big questions, though. Oh good. Okay. Okay, do you think Lucius allowed himself to be caught? What, at the end? Yeah. No. What do you mean allowed himself to be caught? He got put in Azkaban. Yeah, but... No one no one would choose that. And also, it's what caused his family's ruin, because um, Voldemort then treats him horribly for it, because he gets, he gets beaten by... Yeah, um, and 
Um, okay. So interestingly as well, the reason that Lucius is such a loser and he loses in this film is because he's just so all about the um, the title and the uh, the. He's a the, tradition. It's it's, it's, it, the... it's the ceremony of everything. Ceremony. Like, that's the, that's like, the you, word, you know yeah. when he holds up the prophecy. And it's yeah, like, yeah, come on, just get, I just think, get out of here. Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> just apparate, you stupid fucker. It's really weird how I always really root for Lucius whenever I see him, because he's so cool. So you just love Jason Isaacs too much. He's great. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, seriously, like, um, okay, another interesting thing, and this is kind of, to me, feels like an inconsistency, but you can oh. back... But you can back this up with a yeah, but you know the Dark Lord is back, and the Dark Lord wants Harry. So he's okay. he's big in this film on no one harming Harry. Lucius, what is, Lucius like, is yeah, he's like don't no, yeah. no no don't touch him. And I kind of think is it because Draco's the same age and that kind of thing because they go to school together. Maybe he finds it a bit weird, you know. Um, no, it's absolutely it's what happens in a Goblet of Fire. Where Voldemort orders them to not touch him, and they yeah, make a big I thought deal it's got to be like because every of... time Voldemort's on screen, they make yeah, a big deal yeah. about the fact that he says no one else can do anything. To because him. obviously in Chamber, um, you know, Lucius tries to kill him, but Voldemort yes. wasn't Voldemort wasn't back at that point, so we can put this to bed now. Yeah, that's, and that's so just it. him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't. I, I genuinely wouldn't even pay that lip service as a problem. To yeah, be fair. it's not a problem. Um, I'm just something to talk about. Also, uh, is it always snowy in Hogsmeade? And do you think that's like a magical thing about Hogsmeade? Like, is that it's always snowy no matter the time of year? Yes, I don't know. It's really weird that Hogsmeade is. Yeah, I genuinely never thought about it. Are there any other places that are like always the same? Time I mean, they don't really go to many other places, do they? Yeah, because it's all, it's snowy in the last film, isn't it as well? And that's that's so weird. That's towards summer in the last one. It's a really good point. Yeah, it and must also be. Uh, it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, it is cool. Oh, I like that. I, <laughs> I just kind of thought it must be like some kind of magical enchantment on that place. I like that's, that's how I do it. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's so. That's how I think of it. I, I quite like it. Um, also, do they? Yeah, are they in men's for any more than like five minutes in this film? Uh, no, they just go for the meeting. Um, <laughs> it just also, it impacted you so much. Yeah, no, I just was thinking about it. Also, it's so I'm just gonna keep. Can I just keep reading through loads of really small points? I, have I mean, that's probably what. I mean, that's what the fucking film does. So I guess we yeah, don't okay. have to. So it's pretty mad how um, Malfoy allows himself to team up with a filthy squib. <laughs> okay. You know like how he works. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. I find it really weird how they're two ends of the spectrum because Filch is just an idiot who like is like, oh, finally, I can have more power. This and is like Filch's like biggest film, like in his role. Probably, like, he's such a big deal in this one again because he's such a domestic, yeah, um, character well, as part of the castle. Because Filch is like literally like I, I now at this point from watching all the films, I think this guy deserves like to be in like the top billing. <laughs> like he's he's normally normally on the so credits. Great. He has to sh- he always shares a space with Tom Felton. They always put them both together rather than them having their own spaces. Yeah, honestly, until, right, right when I first, when I was a kid and I first watched the films, I used to think that um, Filch was like the, like the deputy head of Slytherin because he literally just always hung around with all the Slytherin kids. It was so weird. It's weird because it's like, well, yeah, because he's, he's not good. He's and nothing. They, if they, well, maybe they don't know what he is, but obviously, you know, from the next film that Malfoy does know what he is because mm. he says, "Get your hands off me, you filthy squid." You know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just think it's a bit weird. It's not a problem. It's just interesting, I guess. I guess it's the two sides of the spectrum of people who would support someone like Umbridge. Um, yeah, it's very true. Yeah. 
Uh, but, and obviously, um, in that in that sense, like he can't be like right. Well, I'm I'm you know I'm part of the this weird Umbridge team, and I can't work with Filch. You know, he'd just have to take it, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it makes sense yeah. for both of them because they're both they both love authoritarian figures. Cause that's, yeah, exactly. Uh, especially so, Filch. You know, he's the, you know Umbridge is the closest he's ever gotten to uh, stringing up you know students by their thumbs. So yeah, exactly. I he's love how he's so excited. He misses the scream screaming. I love how he, he does. Um, <laughs> He really loves uh, Umbridge, like how he fancies her. <laughs> so it's really funny. Yeah, it's kind of um, creepy. Yeah, he's going to stop calling her Mrs. Norris by accident. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, the way Umbridge interacts with all the teachers is um is is really funny. Like um oh the bit with uh with with the bit where she talks to Snape is probably one of the funniest moments. Yeah, of very it's so it's so little. It's Weirdly, so funny. It's so really small scene, but the, when he says obviously, that's got to be yeah. like a proper fan favorite line. And then when he smacks Ron in time with yeah. the music, just yeah, oh, he does. That is yeah, some yeah, perfect yeah, editing there. It's so yeah, good. Um, and then oh, and the bit where she like they're walking up and down the steps with uh, with McGonagall. It's very yeah. Cool. So that bit has always felt really weird to me. Because I've yes. always, I've always been like, it feels feels very over theatrical. It feels like for a moment I'm being taken out of the world of a film to be shown how to use heights and levels in drama. Oh, yeah, so it is. So, so if I stand higher, it represents power, and she stands lower. It's weird how she says loyalty and moves lower. I don't get it. I, it is weird I how we're going back down because of that. I still don't understand at all. I really yeah, don't I get don't it. I, I know, seriously, it weirds me out. I think like it's it... because of disloyalty to the ministry, and I think she's sort of threatening jobs, essentially. It might be yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. It does feel weird. Like, um, excuse me. Yeah. Because that's like a fucking huge part of the book, is how much McGonagall hates Umbridge. And yeah. Again, they've got to condense that. I really wish they let uh, Maggie Smith like rip into her in a Scottish accent, like proper go like the thick of it on her. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> but yeah. never mind. Uh. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that would have been so cool. I think who else is she? Oh, we talked about Trelawney. That's really oh, I've, sad. I've got some other little small things. Oh no! Yeah, uh, go on. Then. Why? Why is Levy Corpus used? Oh fuck me! Yeah, I know. That well, is look, annoying. That, no, it is. Look, I understand. From a, again, this is the thing. Like, it's a it's a book perspective thing because um, Levy Corpus is never used in any other film. So in terms of film canon, there isn't an inconsistency. They should have said Impedimenta. Yeah, but, fine. But. They never, because obviously, um, Levy Corpus is one of Snape's spells, isn't it? That they introduce in the or the, the Papa and Prince book, but they never mention it in the film. So I'm not too bothered because of that. Is this not this as is well, the this only is kind of, this of... is kind of like a grubbly plank thing with me, where it's like, all right, fine, they got the they got all the the Parkinson twins. Ah, because obviously this is this is where grubbly plank is a woman now. Yeah, like yeah, it's supposed to be, but it's like. Yeah. I don't mind because it's never it never causes an ink you never see two different grubbly planks that are, you know, thingy, do you? So oh, did right. you see that um they gave Neville Protificus Totalis in that scene? Yeah, yeah, that was great. Quite, Although quite again cool. nice They did it wrong. <laughs> Why? Because the 'cause the the uh the guy's meant to be like have his arms and legs bound where his aunt where his actually his hands are all outstretched. Oh uh, yeah, all weird. they they Clawed. just um and they're meant to they, you know, whatever. Reason, don't they? You know. Yeah. It's okay. I, to be fair, I hadn't actually noticed that one. Uh, what no, do you think well, of the flying Death Eaters? I'm fine with it. I think it looks awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a case of like, let's just sacrifice this for visual, visual awesome. Yeah, it, it does look is, brilliant. Yeah, it does. The way I used to think of it is, um, obviously I, you can't, yeah, <laughs> after the other films as much, but I always used to see it as just sort of another form of apparition, essentially, yeah. but sort of slow apparition. 
But no, I like. I think it's. I think it's cool. And, and, and weird, it's weird how they also have the Order of the Phoenix doing the same thing. Yeah, and they're scenes. white. They're white. Yeah, instead of black. But yeah, it look, yeah. I mean, it looks awesome visually. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of. It does. Yeah, if you stop to think about it, it doesn't really. Yeah, it doesn't really bear thinking about. But anyway, I'm cool um, with it. Oh, you know, as well, yeah, when, yeah. They're, when they're flying on the festivals to the yes. ministry, I yeah, could yeah. not do that. Like if you have, no, especially seen... if you can't see the fucking thing. Yeah. Oh my. There's so many points in Harry Potter. I think no. No way. <laughs> Again, like, they make it. They make a big. Di- I mean, I wouldn't get on a fucking broomstick to go that high, let alone sit on an invisible thing. But um, like, also, can you kill an ant and then see a thestral? Mm-hmm. I think it has to be human. That's fucking racist thestrals. <laughs> well, so if I see my cat die, then thestrals won't. I, won't, I can't see a thestral. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't mm-hmm. think so. Uh, yeah, sorry, it doesn't so, actually matter. Uh, Snape is Snape is used an awful lot in this film. Yeah, he get oh he gets the proper he gets the torture scene uh like the proper like yeah, the Bond but... movie moment where he unrolls yeah. all the torture things and takes oh. t- looks and his wand is for some reason in this massive roll of like knives and shit. It's like he uses the uh the wand as a torture tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really nice cool. Really yeah, those cool. scenes are properly like. It's weird this because obviously all the films do a good job of showing Snape as being half good, half bad. I think this one does the. I think weirdly does the yeah. best job of showing the the differences between the two because he's on the Order of the Phoenix, but he's being like really dodgy with Harry. But and you see him as a child, which is really horrible. But he is still doing all this stuff in order to help. Like that's the crazy thing. And when he says they've got Padfoot in the place, yeah, uh, and he lies for them. Yeah, no, that is great. Yeah, again, it's a bit it's tricky because in in the books, again, um, it's sort of. It's made as a big deal that Harry thinks that um, Snape didn't. Him. Yeah, exactly, but he didn't. But I suppose, to be fair, actually, in the book, that is kind of made too convoluted, when really it doesn't need to be. So actually, no. the film kind of does that better, in a way. Yeah. <gasps> That's it, yeah, we're but, getting cancelled. But the scenes, <laughs> scenes are really cool as well. I love the edit where they have the mirror of Eris said. That's yeah. Oh, I don't. So yeah, because they have Snape in the background of it. I didn't notice. Yeah. There's another scene, the bit where he's hugging Sirius. Yeah. They also have Snape in the background. Yeah, I've never like, noticed that before. Memories. It's really cool. to, and it's really creepy. Yeah, the editing's <laughs> fantastic. It's, it's, yeah, it's superb. I'm but touched. Or is this? How touching? Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> I've yeah, vomit. Yeah, so, yeah, that's really yeah, yeah. weird. <laughs> no, it's great. Because he hates Sirius. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know. It's really, yeah, it's really they sad. They do a really good job in this film of um, making... Again, it's it's another thing where they have to be subtle with it, with the underlying plot thread of yes, yeah, Snape hates Sirius and James and Lupin, and mm. Lupin and Sirius are great friends. So when Lupin, super awkward. My, my favorite shot in this film is like my favorite. Okay, my favorite like ten seconds is when <laughs> Sirius dies and they turn the sound off and just have the music while Lupin holds Harry and yeah. screaming because Harry feels so isolated. And also in that moment. The filmmakers are, do a really good job of acknowledging the two people this loss would have meant the most to. And because yeah. the thing is, they, they have to, because they don't have the time, but Lupin is always an important part of Harry's life. From this moment on, they have to keep subtly using Lupin. Yeah, absolutely. And they do, a, they actually do a really good job of it. They do, and also, and the, the way they use that is a much, I think it's a much more impactful um, way of showing death than for instance what they did in Goblet of Fire where it's very over dramatized yeah um, true. his death and it's made us be like oh my god what's going on it's such a shock true. whereas in this yeah, one it's, it's like, like it's over in an instant and suddenly like say the music 
like sorry, the, yeah, the sound drops off and it's really horrible. Yeah, you see him screaming because I mean, it feels cold. Radcliffe looks incredible there, and then when yeah. he uh, when oh, um, he's, Lupin, yeah. Lupin is desperately holding him and he breaks out, and then they ha- they go back. I'm really glad they did. Yeah, they, they do a good shot to. of Lupin afterwards. Yeah, yeah, and it's like yeah, you acknowledge him because sometimes I think like as a fan of the books, you worry that your favorite character is going to get stepped on by the adaptation. And especially with someone like Lupin, where it is easy to cut him out of scenes and it, you know, technically on the surface level work okay, but you need to. Yeah, you know, but he's he's important to Harry, and he always is, and you need to pay respect yeah. to that because it's even because it's yeah. a massive deal in the book, really. Even as little as like in the seventh book, making him, or sorry, seventh film, I should say, making him be the one to make Harry leave the uh, the wedding. The wedding. He's because yeah, he's the like one that. guy. He's he's there, for Harry, all the time, and then then obviously in the last film they give him that little line about. Uh, before the battle, and it's like yeah, this isn't it's kind book, of, that's kind of, that's kind of weird. But we get around to that another yeah. in the other episode. But, it, but, but um, it's nice because it's like you know the film acknowledging he's a clever guy and he's cool, and they have to make a big enough deal of him, and so that his death feels like a deal. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. We'll see what we think when it comes to it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They, Leaping's great. I, I think we've, we've handled that now. Um, Otherwise, yeah, did you see Voldemort's... Oh, I tell you what, no, before I talk about Voldemort's biceps, um, you know... Hell. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, well, did you know What do you mean his biceps? Okay. I know which bit you mean, but... Well, he's got his arms up in the air, and well, he yeah. looks ripped. He doesn't. Well, he doesn't, but he's got huge, huge lumps whereas, on his arms. They're well, huge. It's probably more because he's really skinny, so it sort of all looks a bit spindly. I don't know. It always weirds me out. It's like, oh, okay. I've always thought he looked more skeletal than, than ripped, as you say. <laughs> nah, but the bit where like you see his you see his biceps, they look comparably huge. Like <laughs> well, he's just going, Oh look at me. Look at me Sorry. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's sorry. the best bit of uh, that's one of the best bits of the film, isn't it? Where he shouts yeah, at me. Definitely. It's terrifying. So oh there's some really weird um like fake. Oh you see Dumbledore talk scares. to the uh... Oh really? Which yeah, bit? so like so when is it from all place? And Hermione goes, Harry. Oh like, yeah, ah. yeah. What were, gonna, what were you going to say about the uh, the paintings? Because that's cool. No, it was just it was nice that they showed Dumbledore talking to the paintings. Nigellus and stuff. And stuff. I yeah. always I always wished. I know it kind of it probably would it would again it would have cut into the pacing of the last film, but um, I would have loved to have seen Dumbledore's painting in the last film talking to Harry like it does in the book. Because it's always really still, horrible not getting. They to still see. show it, don't they? Which mm, is no, don't think so. Yeah, there's definitely a shot of Dumbledore asleep in a painting. Is no, it, that's is that that's, in... that's at the end of um, the Half one. Prince. Ah, okay. Yeah, but um, alas, that's a that's nothing to uh, do with this one. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, if they had done that in that last film, it might have made the impact of the bit in Heaven a bit less. Well, Limbo technically a bit. Yeah, less. I guess so. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, the, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I keep forgetting what I was going to say. Uh, never mind. Oh, this is a side thing. Um, that again, I get, well, I'm just getting goblet. Okay, actually, to be fair, they've all been doing it a little bit, but I think this is probably the first film where Ron and Hermione actually sort of flirt. Would I be oh, correct yeah. in saying that? Um, well, no, um, well, because they don't they, really. When well, goblet, they hate each other, and in three, it's just sort of awkward. But in three, they are flirting a bit. It's they a do fr- flirt a little bit in goblet. Do they? But but what I'm saying is they flirt a little bit in these films and it, uh, in the films up to here and it is actually a, th- a theme that becomes established right at the end of the Chamber of Secrets and is kind yeah, of yeah yeah it's kept it's kept bubbling I I think the bit where they argue in uh, Goblet of Fire is essential to it being shown that they fancy each other 
because it's a full, yeah, it's full blown. Because Harry's got nothing to do with it, um, and Harry feels so awkward. He's like, I, I don't. He's know. like, what's this about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, this film, like, where he's trying to show off to her and stuff. Um, yeah, you, yeah. It's it's funny. I did because it's not very overt, which is a good thing, obviously. I if actually, if they dwell on it too much, it will be like the Twilight films. But talking about this film, it's a real masterpiece in subtle filmmaking, isn't it? Like the amount it's, we're talking it's about, surprising, all these yeah. tiny little things that need to be there for later films to work but they're well tiny. it's just it's a lot of breathing space that's what a lot of the middle of this and, and to be fair it can sometimes feel like it's sort of you know it feels inconsequential at times in the middle yeah, of the yeah. film well, but well, it is the, still the bit where they're trying to find the room of requirement is a bit um but I'm I guess really trying no I mean they say where where should we go and then in the next scene Neville Not finds that. it I, I mean I mean when um when they're all practicing there and, oh, but again, it's like, it's the montage. It's all kind of you need to but, see it. That's but you doing. still need to see that because you need to believe Dumbledore's army for the last film. You see, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it's all it's it's so much domestic important domestic groundwork in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. What else? Was it? Oh, you've got a little Crookshanks cameo. Just wanted to oh, yeah? shout he's gonna, uh, yeah. Do you even see the uh, Crookshanks after here again? I don't know if you do. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, she's definitely not in the last ones. She could be. Um, she could in, be at uh, Christmas in Half Blood Prince or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe she's no maybe she's just, you know, chewing the scenery. Quite literally. Um, um, yeah, anyway. So we, should we talk about the duel very briefly? Okay, which is which is better than the Yoda Palpatine fight, and it's basically the same well, thing. Obviously. No, the Yoda Palpatine fight's no, cool. No, I'm sorry, I'm being mean. But uh, yeah, this it's is more like cons- your, it's this more is, concise as well. This feels like a proper like Jewel of the Fates moment for Harry Potter. Like, it's yeah, just, it's, it's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, it's uh, very surprisingly subtle storytelling as well because Dumbledore is always on the defensive and passive, even though yeah. it's dealing with Voldemort. Because as soon as Voldemort brings out fire, uh, Dumbledore brings out uh, wind water. to split away, and then he brings up water to stop him. And then when he fires the glass at him, he tries to oh, drown it's him. So, I mean, it's for so sound and visuals, it's it's a it's incredible, and it's yeah, only yeah. like fifty seconds long or something. It's a ten. Like it's so, yeah, I mean it's, it's so good. It's still even though incredible. again the duel in the book is a bit more drawn out and longer with more complicated stuff. Nah, like, it's not this is necessary. Better in the film. This is better because in the it's film. I, t- I well, well I think they both suit their medium best, but like I did yeah it's so it's so much more enjoyable to watch. I do feel like yeah they probably blew like the most of the CG budget on that that one scene. Yeah, with the compliment. <laughs> Um, like, um, yeah, the complementary elements and stuff—it's so so cool. cool about all the glass, like shattering, um, fudge, and turning into sand as well. Yeah, yeah it's all it's so. Yeah. It's, it's, great it's, honestly, it's honestly one of the best bits of Harry Potter. I'd say top ten Potter scenes. Yeah, it's and Gambon just yeah, yeah, he's he's a legend. He's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well, we covered that, but now, just so you know, now it's, like, it's one of the best scenes. Yeah, I mean, everyone agrees. I literally think that's like that unites like the weird book um, annoying people who whinge about the films and the people who just love the films. Like everyone agrees that that scene is amazing. amazing. Like there's yeah, no uh, no one no one disagrees. Yeah. Um, however, the scene afterwards, I'm in two minds about oh, the possession see, this bit. Got the the um, the I weirdest bit of editing and directing. Yeah. It's got the um, the most awkward bits of Voldemort in all and of Harry. Harry Potter and Harry. Yeah, but you know the bit where um, the editing, directing, and performances—all three of those things—are a what little did you bit think off. Of the like really snaky bit where he goes past Harry and goes. <sighs> I find it really. I oh, that! So... Oh, that's you mean when he first turns up. Yeah, it's awkward. I love that. 
You talk, okay. You said this last time. You said that yeah. you, you thought it was weird. I love it. Mm. It's so cool. Again, I get it's so it's creepy. I get why it's there. It's fine. I just find it awkward. But yeah, in and the because editing... again, in comparison to the first film, where it was all made into a big palaver, where him turning up was sort of awkward. And this time, he just sort of turns up with ease and sort of deals yeah. with Harry with no problem, which is great. Yeah. But no, in the in the possession bit, um, it's it's like all the bits where they sh- they show like a random like green screen thing of just Ralph. <laughs> Ralph Fiennes um, just sort of standing there just making like weird noises to like some smoky <laughs> background every now and then for like yeah like eh, for like two <laughs> frames it's so weird like, it's... I feel like it honestly feels like they missed the frame yeah and I just the dialogue when he's like oh you'll never you know, know love and friendship you'll that never is, yeah no, it's alright uh, that combined with the, with the final line of the film I find kind of weird yeah it's so like, the final line of the film very generic we finally got friends and something well, it's more like we've got something for. worth finding for us. I didn't realise I was in fucking what's it called? Lazy Town, whatever that film yeah. what that show's called. <laughs> now now Harry Friends yeah. all your friends together. <laughs> They're all gonna start doing fucking backflips on the yeah. train. Yeah. Not seen that doing that. But um <laughs> you... <laughs> Ding dang ding 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 That show makes me feel so ill. It makes, yeah, it makes me feel ill as well. It's horrible. Like, yeah. It's like Spy Kids gone wrong. I was going to say one of the one of the, one of the people in that looks a bit like Voldemort with like the weird plastic faces. Yeah. Uh, why are some of them? Why are some of them with plastic faces and some of them are human? Uh, why? Uh, it, just why? <laughs> I don't. Know. I want to know. But um, uh, it makes me really sad. <laughs> but yeah, again, it's still again. The music in that scene, the possession scene, saves it for me because the music is incredible. Oh, and um, I love it when all the sand is around Harry protecting y- him. That's yeah, a really great visual. It's cool. But then they, there's like a weird bit where like they do like a sort of a reverse demental thing where like a thing gets sucked out of Harry's chest and suddenly Voldemort's there. And it's all uh, very. Isn't that his soul? Well, I guess so. Um, is it the Paul Crux bit of him? I don't know. It's like maybe. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, I have just thought about it. maybe it's that. Hmm. It's just, yeah, it just feels slightly off, that's all. It just, like, going from, from that duel suddenly to that, just, it felt so abrupt and out of nowhere, and then it disappears again. Because you get, you suddenly go to uh, the nice scene at the end. Or sort of nice scene. They have, like, a chat in the um, oh, Dumbledore's uh, office. It's which is where brilliant. he first enters Dumbledore's actual personal space, which is quite a cool thing. So, where he goes and sits behind the desk. Well, because this is, Dumbledore's like, Dumbledore's bedroom. first, like, true fuck up. Yeah, like, big fuck up. Like he's fucked up before, but like in this one, it's like literally his. It's like Dumbledore's fault for like everything that went wrong, pretty much. Yeah, which is you know, which is important an important thing to have. Yeah, Dumbledore's exactly. a fallible character, and this will be explored later. Which is why he's su- which is why he's such an story. amazing character in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah inc- incredibly fallible guy because he's the most clever guy in the entire like universe, but he's still also stupid. Yeah, yeah. which is great. I mean, again, there were details in the books that would have been nice to have about the fact that Trelawney was the one who like, made the prophecy and how there was and, more, and uh, how uh, Voldemort marked um, Harry when he could have marked Neville. Yeah, yeah. and it's that's why this Neville is, and Harry are in sort fact, of so similar I tell with you their what, relationship with their parents. This blah, 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 blah. Neville and Harry thing, because they do a really good job with Neville in this film. Like, yeah, especially is, with the scene where they talk. In, this uh, is, apart yeah. from Deathly Hallows Part 2 uh, and Philosopher's Stone, this is the other film where they give Neville a lot to do. We're also putting Neville directly alongside Harry for comparison in numerous yeah. scenes. 
and whether it's when they're talking about his parents or whether he's teaching him you know how to disarm and stuff like that yeah, yeah there's a lot of showing the different what yeah exactly what it's and to be fair that is a fairly if you could call it a subtle hint to the fact that they the, were the two are they do they never consider the fact that they have the same birthday I've never. I always find that weird. They never bring so that characters. up. As a thing. I don't think. Well, it's it's not. It's in the summer holidays, so they probably don't know. I guess so. I feel like if you're friends with somebody, you should know their birthday. Well, no, there's loads you of know. people I'm friends with. I don't know their birthdays. You know where my birthday is, right? That I should be uh, asking this today. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like I know the three days. Yours period. is the fifteenth of June. Yeah, and yours is the thirtieth of April. I hate you. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> it's around there, isn't it? Though you're one day off. There you go. See. You fucker. And I'll always be one day early. I can't believe, what does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't bothered. Um, I don't know. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so yeah. there's a big thing we haven't talked about yet. Is there? Yeah, it's Hagrid. Oh, shit. Oh, you know what's funny? Yeah, about him is that um, this is the first one since like Chamber of Secrets where they make out. And it's nice because he's not in the film until like the two thirds point. But the bit where they uh, find out that Hagrid's there is like the happiest moment of the film. Oh, it's lovely. And, and the bit where they're all running down to the hut felt so yeah. much like Chamber of Secrets or something. It's really and weird. And especially when they pit, poke their head through the window. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's yeah, like yeah, proper yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban stuff as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, running around the place. Yeah. It's lovely that they really give him stuff. Because after this film, he's in like one scene per movie. Maybe like two. Yeah. I just, honestly, uh, I feel really bad now. I, honestly, I'd forgotten about Hagrid completely. <laughs> It's not like I feel so I, bad. That's not, and it's not fair of me because he is really—he's really great in his in the scenes he has. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. And not gonna been, lie, if if they had a if they had a longer film, I'd have loved to seen him attacking all of the Ministry people when Umbridge went to like sack him and stuff. Because oh, there's a scene yeah. in the books where he like get, like gets really angry and starts like punching him and stuff. That would be. Well, cool. it's, it's like how they cut out the fact that he has to fight the Death Eaters, doesn't he? In um, Half Blood Prince, where they bluff his um, does he? I can't remember. I can't remember. But, um, yeah. No, he's really cool. And it's, I, I, something I never understand is why he's dabbing his wound with a bit of meat. I mean, that's class. Maybe, that's a, maybe that's a thing. I don't it's know. It's a giant. Maybe it's a giant thing. It must um, be a giant thing. Yeah. So I think, uh, I'm in two minds about it. Uh, they, okay, one, yes, I think they do real justice in this film to how much the characters love Hagrid. And they manage to make him in less of the movie but make Hagrid still feel like the staple Hagrid we've had of the first four movies, where Hagrid's a big character in all four I, I would actually, I would actually say, to go on further, that that's the reason why he feels like that. It's because they leave him out for the first two-thirds, and it feels very lacking in hope that as soon as he comes back, it's a very big feeling of elation. Even though yeah, he's yeah. still very you know, worried and he's getting fired and all that, it feels a lot like a bit of respite before things go tits up. Yeah, exactly. Which is um, a good way to deploy him, I suppose. And then, yeah, yeah. And then, so, so they do a good job of him. I think that there's a problem in this, but it's not this film's fault. It's the okay. later films. So the Ooh. bits with Grawp feel really weird because it doesn't... Because, i tell you what... It isn't it would, paid off at any point. It, it would have been very easy to have at least just put a CG Grawp fighting a CG giant in Deathly in the, Part Yeah, two. I actually completely agree How easy... I think it's disgusting. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's bad though. It's like, a shame. How easy would that have been? It would have taken them what? I mean, I wouldn't say a it's easy, but I mean, in comparison to the rest of, they could have just included him in that montage where, like, the trolls. Yeah, where they're running him. around. Yeah, yes, I, and fighting I agree. giants. 
It's like, well, great. So we'll just render all of that stuff. Hagrid just, we'll just forget about it. And then the other thing is that uh, this is a lesser thing. I actually think the centaurs are used really well on this, and you can't the past the bit. It's kind of we didn't thing. get Forenze. Well, that's fine. We didn't get good. Forenze. There's no, there's no point to getting a big Forenze. <laughs> but oh, um, okay. they should have uh, <laughs> definitely had the centaurs in the last film as well. It doesn't make any sense that they're not there. Uh, are they not? No, there's no centaurs. And doesn't no, you're right. Any, they're not. Doesn't literally doesn't make any sense. Well, we'll come to we'll we'll we'll, we'll discuss it doesn't make that when any we come to sense. it. I think we should discuss that when we come to it. However, in sure. this film, I agree. Gorp is weird because he is set up. It's like sort of that. This is going to be important to plot at some point, and then like ten minutes later, it's important to plot, and now he's done, and bye bye. We're never going to see him again. Yeah, well, they use him as like a a, a kind of. It's a check, he's a Chekhov's gun that's yeah. fired like immediately. Yeah. Um, which is I, I actually yeah I do kind of agree it's a bit of a bit it's of an a problem also his, his, I, I was saying earlier that CG is a step up I actually kind of disagree with myself now yeah it, well, he looks Grop, a bit Grop, dodgy he looks rubbish <laughs> I, don't like, think, he, I don't think he looks well, rubbish I think it's he looks, the lighting uh, he looks about as good as the troll in the first it's, movie and this is like seven years later you know yeah I, he looks better than the troll actually. if you look to them side by side you'd probably agree but I think it's to do with the um the scene, there's like the lighting in that scene is really flat. Like yeah. you can't really tell if it's nighttime. There's no like directional light, which means he looks he like Gorp looks really flat. But like also, he looks he looks better when he turns up later when it's at nighttime. I think they and stuff. possibly make him look a bit too human. Uh, he just looks like a massive kid. I think that's the, but I think that is done to distinguish giants from trolls. Yeah. Okay. To be fair, because otherwise, because if Hagrid's half human, half half giant, that means he shouldn't look that human. True. So technically, he's just like a really big human. No, um, I, I, I understand what you mean. It's probably just because in other versions of fantasy, a giant is depicted as something a lot more disgusting. Yeah. Mind you, Grob still looks pretty rough. You know, yeah, it's weird. Is this yeah. also the? Um, it's the one nice scene when she Hermione, you know, rings the yeah with the, with the bell. And Hagrid's like, yeah, oh, my brother. I don't know. It's just it, it's again. A, it's it feels it feels unnecessary just, because they'd already used like Luna and the Thestrals and Neville as a good like. Sort of comparison as Harry for having like lost family and all that, like we said. Gort feels like it's sort of plugged on near the end to say, "Hey, look, here's some more symbolism for Harry that I think wasn't really necessary giving, for his character I think it's growth. more about giving Hagrid something to do rather than just show up. Yeah, I guess so. I suppose you couldn't because you can't just kick him out of the film completely because you need to have him in it. Yeah, it's a big moment, like you said. The narration yeah. is still felt, and you need another scene after him showing up properly. You know, or yeah, felt proper. Uh, Kingsley Shacklebolt, what a legend. Um, oh, that one's got style. Yeah, he's yeah. really cool, actually. Yeah, he's so cool. Also, it's a shame he, um, never, he's a shame he doesn't get as much to do in other films. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, he still cool. he gets a lot to do. He looks he gets, awesome. That's all he gets. Is. He gets good bits in seven and eight. He gets good scenes, like one or two. True. Whereas, oh, that's cool. Um, so then, uh, yeah, I always find it really weird. Literally destroys me with weirdness that um, obviously, <laughs> okay. prof- like everyone acts so normal around it being Professor Moody when obviously he's never really met Professor Moody. I just find it really Yeah, weird. exactly. Like in this film, they act like... like if Harry sees him, he'd like go, oh my God, oh! Yeah, there's, like no acknowledge- there's no acknowledgement. Like, I, I don't know. It's just weird. I think it's out. because in the book, Goblet of Fire ends with Mad-Eye Moody uh, on the platform with Harry talking to like Vernon and stuff. So Harry's had some time with real Moody. So it yeah. feels like he's reintroduced himself as a proper character. Yeah. So I, I suppose mean, it probably feels like... That would be something that would be. It'd be like trying to introduce um, the fact that they leave out Mundungus Fletcher in that scene as well. Oh, that's they don't, fine. They don't I, really. I in, they don't really introduce Tonks that much. Like she's there, and they mention her name, but like 
it's very like they don't really sort of she doesn't really do much sort of talking until seventh film really yeah um okay and she's cool uh, but i like that they, they add the little clumsy thing when she trips over the uh yeah no the they're doing all right that's a nice they're doing film. all right job with tonks i mean tonks always feels like she's not really in the movies well i feel like she's given the same sort of um treatment as shacklebolt technically uh, because you, i actually think shacklebolt's made a bigger deal oh he's cooler but i suppose he's got a few more scenes now nah, maybe you're right but also, Dawlish. Dawlish never gets a fucking Yeah, line. yeah, yeah he's but just Dawlish. just fucking stands there like a fucking It's cool. Gimp. It's cool how he's in it, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then but the other thing whatever. is. Um, the... Oh, yeah, Uncle Vernon. Can we just quickly talk about him? Justice. You've finally driven him loopy. <laughs> Our boy has gone yumpy. Yumpy is <laughs> yeah. a word. I really wish <laughs> yeah. I could use that word more often. And also, you know, when he puts Dudley in the car, I cried with <laughs> laughter. <laughs> it was like, because he's doing that thing. Not that very the... well. But it's yeah. the thing that people do, like where they talk to people who they know can't hear them, like when you mouth something to someone in another yeah. car, and you you say like, "Oh hi, thank you very much," yeah. um, and you don't actually speak. <laughs> it's just a really cool weird thing. Again, I feel like as as the films go, the Dursleys get more high. I'm yeah. saying this in because uh, in Azkaban they were acting like they sort of they were coked off their tits, and in this yeah. one they're like on MDMA or something. Like yeah. I know it's supposed to be like really hot, but like Petunia. Like when she Petuna's walking towards the car, she looks like she can barely fucking stand up. <laughs> it's it super like creepy. It, it looks like she's trying to stealth her way in so none of the neighbours see. No one notices. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this is it's really so her last actual appearance, really. So yeah, nice. they're they're not given. Like I said, because they because they show more with Dudley, they don't really need to, I guess, show as much of the Dursleys. It's funny, really, because like the more I think about it, see how you feel about it, but I feel like. I know they're always nasty, but they're never ever as like horrendously brutally nasty as they are in the first film. It's because they're and scared they, of his magic. I guess so, uh, but that, that they is, say that in the books, don't they? Though they they avoid him. Oh yeah, of course. That's why Harry can stand up for himself. But yeah. I think it's it's funny how they they almost like blow their load almost too quickly in the uh, in the first one to make them feel so horrible, and after that they're just like they're just a, a, a wreck as a family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's really I, sad. Yeah, it's, it's natural. Though. You know, it makes sense. It's not a problem. Because technically, even though it's not Harry's fault, Harry sort of ruined their life. Yeah. Because they're horrible people and they couldn't deal with it. Yeah. It's really weird, that. That's, um, again, that is technically Dumbledore's fault. Yeah. True. As per usual. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a really weird misfire, but I don't know. Uh, also, I wouldn't call um, it a problem, again, but it's sort of, that's why in later films they have to, like, depict the Dursleys in such a bizarre way which again when you think about it for more than three seconds you think Christ they, they act so strangely like if you yeah. saw them in real life you'd section them because yeah. you think they <laughs> lost their nut but I feel like they have to get weirder <laughs> it's great yeah um, so the other thing oh. as well you know when the Howler turns up uh, the, oh, yeah. uh, the CG the flat the really, looks really rubbish the lips on it it looks really bad like again, weirdly, it's because they the go for more. The Howler in the second movie looks yeah, like a yeah. lot better. I agree. It's probably because they go for more kind of um, stylistic expression in the fifth one, whereas it's more meant to look just like card in the second one, which I agree yeah, does yeah. actually look better. It's a lot cooler. Um, also, yeah, um, it's 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 a bit on and off, isn't it? Some of the visual ones. Yeah, it's true. Now uh, I think back on it. Also, uh, Mafalda Hopkirk. It's kind of cool how it's her. Yeah, it's not, the same, it's not the same. It's not the same actress. actress no, no it's just, in the seventh uh, one. But strange. never mind. I mean, I, I, well, she doesn't. Ha- she doesn't have any lines. Um, 
you know, in the other films anyway. So apart from mimicking Emma Watson, which doesn't that that stuff's done so well. You don't actually hear her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously we'll see when we rewatch it. But I, I, yeah, I can't remember what um, how good it was. I remember it being. I don't remember. I don't remember there being any problems with it. But Um, okay, I've got two more things I want to talk about. Okay, what have you got? I got nothing. I'm, okay, I'm I'm cool. ready to go through the big questions, but you you, right, you go so ahead, man. Let's quickly do these. Um, so, <laughs> you know, like how Lucius is like manipulating Fudge behind the scenes and stuff. Yeah, and, and yeah, by the way, the last episode, cool, yeah. great subtle filmmaking because it's only one shot that you see Lucius before the end of the movie. Um, mm. But um, yeah, I, I was kind of thinking, imagine if like Fudge is under the Imperius curse, but I guess people would notice. Oh, Dumbledore would know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next up, um, that was a small thing. Sorry, you... I hated to shit on that. <laughs> I oh, find. Oh, oh, I've actually thought of another thing. I find it really awkward whenever Sirius um, first sees Harry, and he's always like Harry or like <laughs> Harry Potter. It's like, oh my gosh, I find it so awkward. Oh, it's lovely uh, though. It is lovely. It's like the first normal like... context he gets to see him. Yeah, it's just a bit like uh, I don't know. It's weird. It's nice though. And then obviously you have a heart of stone. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, think, th- I, find... I think it's beautiful. The best bit was the best serious stuff in this film is the bit where they fight uh, Lucius together, and you really get the uh, rapport mm. that they obviously were people at school together who hated each other. Or when, you when just he... really get that vibe when they're when they're dueling off. Oh, when when uh yeah when Sirius calls Harry James is um yeah that's classic. an excellent bit of the script. Oh yeah, yeah, wrote that in. That's a, oh. that was superb. And when he goes back through that veil, that veil is one of my favourite um, sets in all of Harry Potter. It's just so interesting. It and it's is. never talk it's never spoken about. But it's I such a weird, it, interesting thing. Yeah, I used to find it kind of weird because it's like they make a big deal about how the Thestrals, you can only see them if you've seen dead people, and then they kind of do the exact same trick with the veil. Um, by going, Oh, you can only see the voices if you've seen death. But, you know, to be fair, it's not a problem. No, 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 but I feel like I, I, in terms of concise writing, that felt as a, like an unnecessary addition to the um, the archway as a thing, or the veil as you call it. But, no, but I, I think I, I still think agree. It looks the, really cool. I feel like the archway is, you know, like it's like a, a doorway to like a kind of heavenly overworld type thing. The Department of Mysteries is so cool. I tell you what, if you wanted to make a Harry Potter indie game, just plop you in first person in the Department of Mysteries, and you have to solve it. You have to find your way around. Just explore. I think that would be an awesome uh, like indie game. Also, um, well, I'd name yes. drop uh, The Outer Wilds as a, a game that does a very similar thing to that, where oh, you walk cool. around and find loads of really weird things. But actually, no, now I think about it, we were talking, we keep talking about how a lot of the Harry Potter films and books are very centralised around mystery. And this one, apart from the, the, um, the existence of the prophecy... There really isn't that much element of mystery in this one. It's very, that's it's much re- more character focused. That's a really good point. Harry. I, that's honestly something I'd never thought about. Yeah, like no, seriously, it's true. Yeah, even the even the book isn't that. Um, no, no, mystery. absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like because it's mostly focused on just Harry's sort of visions of the. Um, wow, weird. Of the yeah. prophecy. I'm a bit where the snake is great, but like apart from that. Oh really yeah, not... yeah, that's really well done. Um, that's an excellent camera as well. Saying yeah. the snake and Mr. Weasley, oh, I love him. I love them so much. Um, also, okay, so this is my last thing I want to talk about before we rate the film. Um, okay. Fred and George, this is like their movie, man. <laughs> they have so Oh, because so they get all their, all their little toys and stuff. And they have yeah. so much to do. Peaking They are just always there. I feel like, and this is, you know, when you consider they're only in like one or two scenes in the sixth movie. 
Um, like this is yeah. a big. This is a big thing for like four, five, and then like seven are so huge for establishing the payoff of Fred's death. Like it's, mm. it's massive. Like uh, Fred and George is so good in this film. Wow. Oh, and also we didn't talk about the fact that Flitwick uh, also how she's like measuring him because you were saying what other teachers does she interact with? Oh yeah, um, she measures so him, and I, and I love the little bit where he's like celebrating. When the fireworks go off. Oh like, yeah, yeah, just a little yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's great. That is, that is actually that is great. <laughs> no, the um Yeah, no, the Fred and George thing is is, is yeah, you're right. They don't lean into him that much them into yeah, they don't lean into them that much after after this. It's like three, four and five are like their main films. Weirdly. Maybe oh, just no, four but, and five mm, No, but the first the first twenty minutes of seven they're in quite a lot of that. Uh oh that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. But no, I'm just saying, like, I think this film really... But not like, in their sort of usual chirpy capacity. Yeah, this, this and Goblet of Fire did the heavy lifting. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're probably right. And, I just realised that Puking so Pasties well. is almost identical to Pumpkin Pasties. Isn't it Puking Pastels? Oh, shit, it is! Like oh, pastels. that's really annoying. I was just thinking maybe they did that so they could appear next to them on the Amazon listing. So people yeah. might accidentally <laughs> buy uh, Puking Pasties when they want to, wanted to get pumpkin. Shit, that's so annoying. They missed an opportunity there. Yeah, that's classic. That's the next film. Shut up. Oh, oh no, no, it is this film. Sorry, I just... I was, she I was meant say to do it, yeah. like a little, a little sound bite at the start of this, wasn't I? That I was going to go, I will have podcasts. <laughs> Maybe you can move that earlier. Yeah, yeah you can edit it for that earlier. Yeah, I'll do yeah, it in no, really can... I will what? have podcasts. I've, I've, already, I've already thought of the, um, uh, the title for this one, to be fair. Oh, okay. What is it? Uh, it's uh, A Spoonful of Sugar Helps the Veritaserum Go Down. Oh really? Why? Because uh, fucking what's her face? Andrew just puts loads of um sugar. In oh, the, I tell you what, as well, and it's she a really students very serum. Yeah, and she's quite a sweet, you know, looking person. Yeah, exactly. Really bad. Good. Or idea. maybe I'll say five spoonfuls of sugar help the medicine go down. We'll see, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm gonna do that. I've decided. I'm gonna write that down. Maybe that'll be the description. <laughs> anyway, sorry, yeah. I shouldn't be doing this now. That's that's um, later, mate. The other thing is that uh, I mean that might not even be the title. Who knows? <laughs> By the time you write it, um, well, the I'm other... the boss of the editing, so you can. I w- do you know one. when? You know when Harry? Yeah, I, guys, I just show up. Uh, so you know yeah. when Harry um, ha- has no. to write the name on his hand. Ooh, yeah, that's he should have just written like Umbridge is a bitch or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly very easy to hide it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Because <laughs> like then, because then he would have left that room and be like, uh, "She thinks I wrote that." <laughs> like I'm really like, you just walk out being like, feel, you feel like an absolute legend. Well, like, actually, yeah, I just realised, yeah, 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 I've really hurt myself and I've kind of subject to some really terrible abuse. <laughs> but the joke's on her. Which hand? Which hand does it get written on? Uh, right hand. It's not on the hand that he's writing with, is it? Uh, maybe it is his left hand. I'm trying to think. He should just write, oh, uh, Harry, I love you, love Umbridge. Harry, uh, I do. So that whenever, <laughs> whenever people look at it. <laughs> <laughs> My heart beats yeah. only for you. For you. Okay, so let's rate the film. Um, no, okay, so let's, ba- let's very quickly, best performance, just really quickly. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. Okay, cool. Best favourite scene? Are you agreeing with Daniel Radcliffe? Are you agreeing with Daniel Radcliffe? I think so, yeah. Which is crazy because it's like normally it's like oh you know the, the trio are really good but there's it's always the one a really most, good adult. Well, this is, oh, well, this is well, what it's I was either him, it's him or Amelda Staunton, isn't it? Yes, he plays Umbridge. So we'll, we'll just say that. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I still go Daniel Radcliffe to be honest. Favorite scene. Um, favorite scene. Uh, the bit Visual. where um, no, it's the bit where Lupin holds Harry. 
Okay, no, that's good. Okay, we'll cover that on both faces. What cool. do you give this film out of 10? Uh, it is. So this is the first one I'm not going to give a 9. I think it's a really high 8. Cool. I have it down as a between an 8 and a high 8, which is, I think, exactly the same yeah. as what I gave Goblet of Fire. So okay. I'm I'm still undecided about where I place them relative to each well, other. Well, interestingly, though, after having discussed this with you, I think it's better than when I watched it. Because all of the subtlety, it's unbelievable. There is, a, like, there is a lot if, more from a filmmaking point of view to talk about in this one. It was easier to criticise some bits of Goblet because of obvious things to do with plot. But, you know, but so you know, it, I, I still do think they're about equal to I, me. I enjoyed Goblet a lot more. Just thought it was, it's the... Um, it really depends what thing, my mood is. I don't, I yeah. don't, for me, it wouldn't be fair to say I enjoy one more than the other. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed this one less because it, it feels... Um, one's a blockbuster as... and one's yeah. like a fantasy film more. I mean, they're both kind of a bit of both. It's really tricky. Well, I, I gave Goblet a low nine and I'm going to give this a, like a high eight. I think they're okay. really nice. Okay, fair enough. I think Goblet is like an unmissable, like really great movie. And I think this is just a really classic movie that isn't unmissable. It's not an unmissable movie. It just isn't. Yeah, no, it's it's just a really great film. Maybe it's a mid eight. Who knows? Like you yes. know, mid high eight. So yeah, there you go. Out of ten, why don't you like and subscribe? I don't know. Well, <laughs> you can't subscribe to a Spotify thing, can you? And actually, I do, I still need to put these on YouTube. You can only subscribe to a belief, man. A belief in yeah. good movies. Believe in us. Yes. Join us next time. Yeah. Wish us Veritaserum that we'll manage to get through the next one. Yay. Yeah, not Veritaserum. Ver- Shit, I meant to say Felix Felicis. Verity Lambert. No. I hope you um, this this uh, this podcast has meant you don't need to take a uh, draft of Amortentia potion. Hey, we didn't talk about that snog that Harry had with Cho Chang, eh? Yeah, it's pretty basic. Oh, he he's so rude to Fred and George, where he's like, "Yeah, guys, sounds get the fuck out of my way." (laughs) (laughs) He's got a lot. He's got enough in his mind. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, it's true. It's not really. It's not really much to talk about there, is it? Those guys are probably like cock blocking, aren't they? Like, it's like they build up the thing with Cho Chang so quickly, and then it's like, yeah, she snogs him, and ah, now they're broken up. Bye bye. <laughs> oh well. That's how it goes. That's, that's what it was ever about. It was only physical like. to you. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, I mean nothing to you. I'm just an object. I mean nothing to you. I can't do it. I can't do this Scottish, What's like, that? really high Scottish voice. Can you do it? What? Can, really... can I do a little Scottish girl's voice? It may surprise you. No. Now sounds very strange. I think we should leave. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Harry. <laughs> that sounds Irish. Shit. Hello, Harry. <laughs> this has been Out of Ten. Thank you so much for listening, and quite frankly, I'm as shocked as you are that we're still doing this. If, by some miracle, you've enjoyed this, do leave a comment or give a suggestion for what we should talk about next. You can also find us on Twitter at outer underscore 10 or send us an email to outer10podcast at gmail.com. See you soon. I will have podcasts.